0: Well, my name is Jared Vinnie. I'm a pastor here at Alpine Church, and we are in week four of our EQ series, which is our Emotional Intelligence series. Um, and today we're going to be looking at three signs of relational health. But before we get to this, I just want to talk about our emotions briefly. So God has given us these emotions. He's given us these relationships, and our emotions our emotions impact all the relationships that we, we are blessed with. But here's what I want to say. I'm 50 years old now, but for the first half of my life, I don't think I talked about emotions possibly ever. It's not something we talk a lot about. But I will say this is one of the uh, most challenging but most important series I think we've ever done because we, the whole reason we're here is all rooted in relationships. And our emotions, uh, emotions impact our relationships And so it's a pretty big deal. But also, if you've been following along with us, each week we've been asking you to keep score. And maybe there's some areas in your life uh, that you say, this is a, a, a spot of my emotions, an area of my emotions I really have to pay attention to. But growing up, I can remember just never talking about emotions. And then I hit, I turn 21 and I get married to my lovely wife, Paula. And then my life changed. Everything that we're talking about in this series, now I'm challenged with all of this. And I have never really talked about my emotions, never really processed anything. It wasn't like in high school, it'd be like, hey, Anthony, let's go grab a burger. Hey, we'll talk about our emotions. No, that just didn't happen. And maybe if you're young here, you're like, yeah, I've really never talked about any, my emotions. I know early in life, when I cried, I either was hurt because I was a boy and I'd do stupid things and I'd get hurt, or I remember being at my grandmother's funeral and I bawled through the entire service. I was 13 years old because that was the first time i had been to other funerals, but that was a, the closest person to me that had passed away. I didn't even understand anything about gr- grieving. Didn't understand anything about it cried for an hour through that service, never had a conversation with my parents about it, never had a conversation with anyone else about it, just got up the next day, went on with life. And that is kind of typical for us as it relates to our emotions, especially when I went to school back in the 70s and 80s. I mean, things have changed a little bit, maybe. Maybe they talk about emotions now. Maybe they're a little bit more tuned in in today's day and age. But the reason I'm sharing this is some of you might not be really in tuned with your emotions, You might feel kind of a disconnect. I know for many years I did. And what my marriage exposed in in me is that I was not emotionally ready for that relationship. It exposed all the unhealthiness about my emotions. And I'm dealing with it all at once. Now the good news is we just celebrated 29 years just last week. Amen. And yeah, amen. Amen. And God is still working daily within my heart. There are certain responsibilities that God has that I can't fix on my own. Because I am, and you can ask Paula, she's here after the service, I am not perfect in any of these areas, talking about our emotional health and relational health and how our emotions affect our relational health. And so there was a time where my scorecard would have been really, really low on everything that we talked about to date. I've grown in some areas. I need help in some areas. But if you are grading yourself, and we're asking you as we go through these three points again today to kind of see where you are, to ask God, hey, God, come in my heart. I need to focus on this point, this area. Work in and through me, Lord. Help me to see what I need to see today in your scriptures and all those details that are wrapped up into God's word. But I don't want you to, to leave dejected if you give yourself a low score. Some of these points today are really hard and really challenging. And maybe many of you have not experienced any of these points. But what we can do is just look forward in asking God's help in helping us to achieve this. So let's look at our first point here today. This is our first. A relational, healthy person is personally authentic. They know who they are and don't pretend to be something they're not. Now, I love that word authentic. There's a couple TV shows, um, and they're wholesome shows like Antique Roadshow and, you know, Auction Kings and some other things, and people bring these items in, and they want to know the value of them, and a lot of times they'll say, well, I need to bring in an expert. I don't know enough details about this. I don't know how to assess the price of this item, whatever it is. It could be an autograph. It could be jewelry. It could be anything, and so these experts come in, and these experts are coming in to bring authenticity. To this object, whatever they're appraising, whatever they're looking at. And you can see the emotions as the expert is about to share whether it's authentic or whether it is counterfeit. You can see the emotions start to build up in these people. And usually you can kind of know where this expert's going to land on how he's communicating. And if it's authentic, he says, yes, this is authentic and What it does is it just brings the value way up, whatever that, whatever that object is. And vice versa, if it's like an autograph, it's like, well, I see the E's right here, it doesn't have the right shaping here, and this isn't how the R looks, and all these other, you can see the owners and they start to get dejected. Why? Because it's counterfeit, it's not real. And I think that's a great example of what God is wanting for us is we have to be authentic. We have to be true to who we are. God does not want his children to live counterfeit lives. He wants us to be authentic. And it starts with us in our relationship with ourselves first and foremost, before we focus on relationship with others, that we need to be personally authentic, that we are not pretending to be something we're not. And here's what I want to say. None of us are perfect in this room. So we all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. And both of those things together make up who we are. And you can't leave one out or the other. This is who we are. We have to be Truthful about that, we have to be authentic of who we are. Because Adam and Eve in chapter 3 in Genesis gives us a great example of how they're not authentic. So, what happened when sin entered the world? What did Adam and Eve do? They hid. God confronts them. What did they do? They blame shifted. Adam said, She made me eat it. Eve said, No, the serpent made me eat it. I was deceived. And that's a great picture of what happens when you're not truly authentic with yourself. They had an opportunity to be authentic and truthful, knowing, hey, God, you know the details, I screwed up. But their response was, you know, a lot of times our sin will lead us down this path that separates us from God, and we try to hide from God. And what happens is, if we're not honest with our weaknesses, what we want to try to do is shove them in a corner, shove them in this compartment over here and close the door and maybe only focus on our healthy things. And so when we go out in public, we have this facade. We're not really dealing with any of these issues that we've shut the door in this category over here of all of our sin, all of our weaknesses. But we're over here living this fake life because we're only looking at part of our life, I think of the kids today, and and the likes, and the YouTube views, and the pressure, and all all that goes into something on social media. I feel like it's just a trap. On social media, we want to paint this picture, and we get to be the artist of it, and we get to say what we want on there, and we're putting up so much effort to try to make this our image. When God says, just have this truth about yourself. Yes, there's some good things. Some, yes, some of that stuff on social media is good. But some of the, the insecurities you have, yes, they, they are a part of your makeup. They are a part of who you are. And you shouldn't try to hide it. You shouldn't try to stick it in this corner and not acknowledge it. You have to be authentic of who you are, understanding you're not perfect. And when you, when you embrace this, and you know you're not perfect, and you know you're going to make mistakes, now it sets the form for you to be in relationship with others because now you're just not in relationship with yourself. Now there's somebody else that's a part of this relationship. And God says, I want you to be authentic. And here's what that looks like now to be in relationship with one another. In Romans 12, it says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. I love this first part. This first part says that as we grow up, we learn how to pretend to love people. That we just pretend to love them. But then God says, no, here's what you need to do. You need to really love them. Don't pretend And then he gets to our our core issue here. Hate what is wrong. Hate, Hate the sin, love the sinner. Hate what is wrong and then hold and cling tightly to what is good. And then love each other with what? Be genuine. Genuine affection and take delight in honoring people. What a great picture of how we are to interact with one another. And what this love is, is communicating to us, this isn't a counterfeit love here. This is a love that takes con- concentration. This is a love that takes work. This is a love that takes effort. This is a love that we have to put into action. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to love in this way, where it's authentic love. And it starts by understanding that we have to be authentic with ourselves. And when we're authentic with ourselves, we're personally authentic. It allows us to enter into these relationships with one another. Where we don't have to pretend. But we can be fully committed to loving people with genuine love and genuine affection. That's what God wants for us. So score your card on that one. <laughs> and again, be authentic. Here's the second point. A relational, healthy person has empathy for others. They've developed the discipline of seeing things from another person's point of view, even when they disagree. Now, I know what some of you might be thinking. You're like, man, I'm having a hard enough time just dealing with my own emotions here. And now you want me to try to look and understand the emotions of all the people I'm in relationship with? Yes. That's what God is saying here. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. But empathy is having the ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes, to be able to try to understand and see their perspective. Again, you don't have to agree with it. You don't have to agree. But you have to put yourself and try to understand where they're coming from. John, last week, closed out the service with this scripture. We should be quick to listen, slow to speak. When we're quick to listen, it gives us an opportunity to be teachable. And who else better to learn from than the people in our lives that we are in relationship with? We have so much to learn from them. And when we're, when we're quick to listen, we open that door to understand their perspective, to understand what, how they're feeling, that we can care for them in that setting, But here's what's really hard. Think about this. In an emotionally charged conversation, so if you don't know what that means, there's like some tension going on here. Uh, For me, I'm most challenged when I'm, you know, in these settings with my wife and my kids. You might be able to relate to that. But in an emotionally charged setting, do you know how hard it is to put yourself in somebody else's shoes to try to understand their perspective Because so often, my heart is this, I want my point to get across, I want my voice to be heard, but see, that doesn't lead to what Scripture is communicating here in Hebrews. It says we need to be work at living in peace with everyone, and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. When we're quick to listen, we open that door for a peaceful environment. We don't have to agree. At times we might. But it's not saying you have to agree on every perspective you look at. But when you're quick to listen, there is this peace that we are working towards. When I am just focused on me, the theology word is selfishness. We all have it. But when I'm focused on me, 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 me it doesn't really lead to peace what it does do is it leads to division usually because i want my voice to be heard i want my pers- perspective to be known and i mean i was tested on this just yesterday amen i'm still work in progress we all are but this is what god wants for us he wants our relationships to be heading towards peace Jesus came, he's the peacemaker. Like there's going to be a connection to Jesus in every one of these, and I'm going to end with that. But it's incredible to to me that Jesus modeled all of this for us. And it's incredible. And we can be a part of these authentic relationships. And when we step into the other person's shoes to understand their perspective, we are quick to listen with a teachable heart, with a teachable spirit. Why are they coming, or why are they coming to the conclusion they're coming with? And maybe in most of your conversations, and and especially the heated ones, the charged emotionally um, conversations, maybe you've never really thought that way. But this is a new opportunity for God's Word to speak to our hearts, to allow the Holy Spirit to continue to come in and transform us from the inside out. The last scorecard point is right here. A relational, healthy person steps into healthy conflict. They bravely speak the truth in love whenever it's helpful. Now, I think that word conflict can be real scary to many people. And first, I want to acknowledge, I know there are relationships here that there have have been people that have really caused damage to you. And a lot of it was centered on conflict. And my heart breaks, God's heart breaks for that. But here's what God is saying here. and We're going to look at a scripture in a minute. That God uses conflict to strengthen us. God uses conflict to bring, to bring us together. But typically so often we're missing God's plan for us as it pertains to conflict. And conflict does division. Conflict causes death. But that's not from God. God says I can use conflict in a healthy way to grow you, to challenge you. Yes, just like in Hebrews, it's going to take work. God put us here to work hard, and we have to work hard in relationships. But that is a truth from God. Let's look at it in Galatians. Chapter 6, verse 1, it says, If another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. So I want to just touch on some words here. It says, gently, humbly, careful. Like when we enter into a scenario where we say, when we see somebody who has been overcome by some sin, so somebody's been challenged in life for whatever reason, there's a lot of different reasons that come into play here. Our responsibility, here's what God says, here's what the relationships I want to see in my church. I want to see people coming to support those people who have stumbled, who are in sin. I want to see people come to them. And what they're going to do is they're going to come to them and have conversations about it. And so the first thing that we have to do is we have to humble ourselves, we have to be gentle, but we have to inspect our hearts. Because this is what real love looks like. When when God's word says, don't pretend to love people, put that love into action, that that love, that's effort. Here is effort right here, whether well, it's family members or coworkers or friendships, people within the church. This is a picture of what God's kingdom looks like relationally. When people are stumbling, when people are in sin, there is people coming to them, supporting them in this, with gentleness, with humility, with kindness. And we have to have the bravery it says to have that hard conversation to challenge them on that, in what? In love. But this is how God says, I can use conflict right here. I can use conflict to help people. And what are we trying to help them do? We want to see victory in their life, so that they get back on what? God's path, the right path. This is a beautiful picture of mentoring right here. The reason we ask and talk about mentoring and we share about mentoring every week It's this picture right here. People need help. People need mentors. I'm not sure everybody that trips and stumbles has somebody in their life that is going to be able to come and express what God wants in this passage, in these verses. And it's just a reminder of us how important mentoring is, that we can be making an impact for the kingdom of God. Yes, helping people to know Jesus, amen, first and foremost. But then life's hard, relationships are hard, we're gonna need help. And it's interesting that God wants to use us in this. This is a part of God's plans for us. Like if you look at your, your life plans, a part of God's plans for you is right here. And it's to help people back on the right path. And this is two sided. So we have to have the courage and the bravery to be able to speak it, but we also have to have the courage and the bravery to receive it. Because sometimes we're going to be the ones on the receiving end of this. This just isn't one direction here. So when we stumble, we have to be teachable again. I love that word teachable. We have to have a teachable heart. And that someone would love us enough to come challenge and speak that truth into our life. Ephesians says it like this, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Love is such an important part of our relationships with God and with ourselves and with each other. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. There's that conflict of coming together, united in spirit, Binding ourselves together with peace, that's the hope. But I wanna key in on this word allowance, making allowances in our relationships. You know, this is a kind of a silly example of this. My wife's in this, I was gonna use another example, but like making allowances means like, I usually do the dishes. And so one time I went after Paula had done the dishes and I saw the dishes still in the sink and then I looked how she stacked the dishwasher Like, that's making allowance. That is not a topic that I should allow my anger or my frustrations to really rise. In that setting, I should make an allowance. Like, okay, that's not how I would have done it. I would have figured out how to get all the dishes in the dishwasher. But that's, it's not up to me. That's where we start making allowances for one another. I also, this week, I was really challenged on this. So I have, my youngest son is a junior at Leighton High. And I make a terrible homeschool accountability, get your work done person. Terrible. And I think about it like three days after I was supposed to check in with them. And, you know, I'm getting all these emails from teachers and I only have one in class. Like, if you have three or four kids and you're getting like inundated with emails from every, I don't know how you guys are doing them, but I only have one. And I just started to challenge myself on this area right here. Now, he understands his responsibility in life is to do well in school, get good grades. But am I making allowances? Why am I so frustrated? You know why I'm frustrated? It's not his part in it. I was frustrated at my part. I'm the one that's supposed to follow up with him. I'm the one that's supposed to help him through this. I'm the one that's trying to get him back on the right path. And I'm failing at it. And so I just think there's all these opportunities in our relationships that if we're really tuned in to what Ephesians is saying here, that we need to do better, I know I do, about making allowances for, what? for each other's faults. None of us are perfect. If we're going to live authentic lives and understand the truth about us, there are going to be people who let us down. I will, if you know me long enough, I will let you down and vice versa. I'm not saying there's not going to be great moments, but when we are letting one another down, there are times when, yes, depending on the scenario, and there needs to be a conversation, but we need to be better about making allowances. I know I have to. This is one of my lowest markers on my scorecard. I don't like conflict. I usually don't like to run to it. If anything, I run from it. But here's another one where I need to be better within the relationships that God has blessed me with, whether it's other pastors on staff, we need to make allowances for one another. And after all of this, you know, this is a lot of work. When you look at, okay, you've got to be authentic, and you have to examine yourself, and you have to examine your heart and really focus in on yourself. And you start thinking, oh, am i really loving people. Or am I just, you know, saying, hey, good morning, how you doing, see you next week? Like, are we really putting that real, genuine love in action? And am I really trying to show empathy to all the relationships in my life, trying to understand their perspective? And when God has challenged me on on conflict, am I fleeing from it, or am I stepping into it saying, God, use me, grow me in this setting? Am I making allowances for each other's faults in this? Like, I talk a lot about a lot of these details. And a lot of times people will come to the conclusion, we'll, we'll kind of set the stage. Like, I'm going to invest in meeting with you guys as long as you guys are all in, as long as you guys are going to put the work in. You know, a lot of times I'll hear this, but Pastor G, is, is it really worth it? Like, that just sounds like a lot of work. We've already separated. We've already tasted life separated. Like, that just seems like so much work. Is it really worth it? Well, here's the good news. Jesus has already answered that question, and the answer is yes. And when you look at these points today, Jesus has fulfilled all of those for us. He's he's authentic. he's, He's perfect. We're not, but he is. He's, 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 he is truth, so he is authentic, that really love people. The reason he said yes is because you're worth it. You are worth it. And he loves us unconditionally. He loves us with an unfailing love. And talk about empathy, putting yourself in someone's shoes. Not only did he put himself in our shoes, he took our place on the cross. He died for us because we were worth it. And in his whole time here on earth, as he walked the face of the earth, he spoke truth in love with everybody. And sometimes it was a hard conversation many times in scripture. Jesus modeled all of this for us. And I go back On the day he created us, he put this stamp of approval. You have value. You are unique. You are gifted. And he says, when he made you, he says, you are very good. Out of all the things God created, it's when he created humanity, man and wife. You are very good. And yes, you are worth it. That's why he came to the world and he died for our sins so that we could be reconciled to him. He's the one that made it possible for us to get put back on the right path not by anything we've done but by everything he's done for us. And so if you're here and you're like man I'm just trying to figure out my emotions and I I you know I'm trying to seek God I don't even know if he's real I'm trying to just learn this understand this that Jesus loves you dearly and he proved that. And we're about to celebrate this this whole next month and Christmas Eve service is a great opportunity to come together and and, and celebrate our, our Savior is here. Our Savior's been born because he came into this world for you, specifically for you, and he died for you. He took your place. And he did that because you have a sin problem and you can't fix your sin problem. In Romans it says, Jesus made it right for us to be reconciled to God by what he did on the cross, by giving his life and dying for you. And the Bible says when you confess, when you believe that in your heart, you confess that with your mouth, it says right then and there, you will be saved, saved from the consequences of your sin. No longer are you separated from God, but now because of what Jesus has done, and he has given you this gift of salvation, you have been reconciled to God, and it's a beautiful picture of how much God loves you. And now, once you're in a relationship with God, you can start focusing and being a part of God's church about how he wants to use you. And how he wants to challenge you and you're going to work hard at it, yes, but it's worth it. Why? Because you're worth it. And then if people matter to God, people should matter to us. And we should put all of this this action of, of Scripture here today about really loving people, about mentoring people, having the hard conversations when it's time to have the hard conversations, receiving the hard conversations when it's time to receive the hard conversation. But it's all rooted in love And it's all pointing on the right path, and that path is towards Jesus. My hope is if you have not made that response, you would talk to somebody before you go, but know that you can make that response today. That you can be, you can leave here in an eternal, loving relationship. That you are now on the right path, and you are going to spend eternity with Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful and thankful for everything that you have done for us, Lord. So I pray for those who have not yet surrendered their lives to you, Lord. I, I pray that they would receive your love, that they would know how valuable that they are to you, and that you have, they have so much worth and so much just genuine affection, Lord, that you have for them. And I pray that they would surrender their lives to you, that they would enter into a relationship by surrendering there in their life, understanding that they have a sin problem and receiving your gift of salvation, Lord. And Lord, you know how messy relationships can get, Lord. So I lift all those who've already put their faith and trust in you, God. Help us. Help us to be relationally healthy. Help us to examine our emotions. Help us to examine our hearts. I pray that we invite the Holy Spirit inward, that you would continue to transform us from the inside out, Lord, daily. We need that daily, Lord. Help us to really love people. May your church be a picture of what real love looks like, Lord. An authentic love. A genuine love, Lord. Lord, we lift this up to you. I pray that this week would be a week where we would reflect on our relationships. That you would challenge us with the words and the scriptures here today that we need to be challenged, each and every one of us, Lord. And may we grow closer to you in helping others pursue God, Lord. We love you, we thank you. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.